Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. And remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club and check out rubybookclub.com to follow along. So today we have a very special episode for you. So special. Because now that we've finished reading Confident Ruby, we've invited the author Avdi Grimm to join us for the show. Avdi, do you want to say hi? Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm wondering, Avdi, what did you think when you heard that two people were going to read your book every single week for one hour and dissect it and go through it publicly in a podcast? A little nervous. Yeah, how come? I mean, it's nerve-wracking enough throwing something out there into the world. Um, you know, by the time you get finished writing a, a book, uh, you generally hate every last word of it. Um, but uh, a lot of, you know, usually the feedback you get is in the form of little blurbs, you know, little comments, uh, reviews maybe, but usually just little comments here and there. Um, it's not often that you get to hear somebody pouring over every, you know, every section of it in detail. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, you kind of wonder, does it stand up to that level of scrutiny? And do you feel like it has stood up to that level of scrutiny? Well, I confess I haven't listened to every single episode. I'm behind on my podcast <gasps> listening, but uh, it's it's. Uh, I feel a little better now. Um, I I feel very lucky to uh, have been reviewed by two very kind listeners. Yes, we are pretty awesome. Saron, so, do you think we're okay to continue this interview in light of this news? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're okay to continue. <laughs> so, how did you come up with the idea for the book, Avdi? Um, I think some of that, that uh, inception is kind of lost in the midst of memory at this point, but I know that it, uh, it kind of emerged uh, out of my first real Ruby job. I'd been, mess I'd been using Ruby for years uh, in a sh at a shop that was not a Ruby shop or a Rails shop, and um, then when I really started using Ruby in anger, uh, at my, my first Rails job, I started, I, I kind of jumped into the deep end because this was, this was a shop that even back in 2006, 2007, they already had some massive, massive legacy Rails applications that had started out well before Rails 1.0. And, you know, we're talking 50, 60,000 lines of code, um, per application and which was really big for a, a Rails application of the time. And um, I was spending a lot of time looking at code idioms that were maybe not ideal and spending a lot of time thinking about what would be better, what would what choices might have been better in that situation. And at some point along the way, I kind of started putting together a theory of that, you know, a theory of of what what it is that makes a method readable and robust and, um, and coherent. Uh, and, and I kind of started coming up with the idea of a method that tells a story versus a method that's just a mess and, uh, and, and keeps forgetting where it left off and it emerged at some point in there. And, and, and I, I should say that, that the book, um, the book came later, the initial, uh, project was a talk. It was actually the first talk that I ever wrote. 
And, and really the first talk I ever gave, I didn't, it was not the first talk I gave at a major conference, but it was the first talk I gave at a, a user's group. And so when you are taking this talk, the first talk you ever gave and putting it into a book, I feel like there's a, I don't know, but there's a level of permanence that happens when it's a book that doesn't quite happen with talks. How was the transition on an emotional level? How was the transition going from a talk you gave at a user group to this book that years later is still being read and passed along and shared? Well, you know, I had a little bit of experience at that. Um, so the the second talk that I gave that I did, which was the actually the first one that I did at a at conferences, was the exceptional Ruby talk, which was about error handling, and. That one, I kind of pretty relatively quickly decided that I wanted to turn it into a book, a small book. And so I had already done that. I'd already turned the exceptional Ruby talk into a book uh, when I turned my attention to the Confident Ruby book. Um, and a friend of mine said, that's going to be a lot harder than the exceptional Ruby book. And I said, really? You think so? Because, <laughs> um, you know, I'd done it once already. But I think he turned out to be right. Um, and I think part of it is just... Uh, the the scope of Confident Ruby is larger uh, than Exceptional Ruby, and it's also a little harder to nail down because you know Confident Ruby it's a patterns book. It's it's a book about you know it's about writing good code, which kind of is a broad and and hazy hazy topic area to nail down. Right, because I mean we have the handling failure section in Confident Ruby, which is essentially what Exceptional Exceptional Ruby focuses on. And we've got like six or seven different sections in Confident Ruby. So it goes through the collecting input, delivering results. So each of those in and of themselves could be books, I guess. In theory, yeah. I don't want to write all those books, though. <laughs> so how did you feel writing this book? Was it, was it fun? Was it hard? Was it long? Was it boring? As I recall... Um, I did it the way I usually do these things, which was all in a rush. I, I, um, I announced it at one point. I forget exactly when I announced it and, and started collecting, um, collecting people interested in it. And then, um, as so often happens, life got in the way and it just kind of sat there as, some, as a thing that I had announced um, with like, I think I had the intro introduction and that was about it for, I don't know, like a year, two years. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, finally I started getting pings here and there. It's like, is this ever going to happen? Um, and I'm sort of, I'm, I, I'm sort of a stickler for, you know, I, as anybody who has ever emailed me knows, um, I am eventually consistent. Uh, <laughs> I always, always do it. I always respond to that email, but it might be six months later. <laughs> eventually consistent. Um, long after the sub, the topic of it as is, uh, is, has gone stale. But, um, yeah. And then I, you know, so I think I, I, at some point I found myself with, with the time or made the time and, um, I don't have a lot of, a lot of memory at this point of what that was like, but I'm sure it was like any of my other, you know, few week crash projects where I just, you know, ate, barely slept and wrote. So it basically took you a few weeks to write the bulk of the book. Probably, I I would have to look back. Um, I mean, it was the, kind of that way for for exceptional Ruby. I tend to I tend to bang things out really fast, um, and then do a, spend a whole lot of time in revision. 
There was a really lovely forward in the book from Sandy Metz. How did that come about? Uh, well, I asked her to. Nice and simple. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was a late addition. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I think I still haven't gotten around to updating the website to note that that there's a uh, Sandy Metz forward to the book. Um, that was a uh, much later than than I got it out. Uh, got the first version out. I um, I was talking to Sandy and I asked her if she would um, do a an introduction. I love that forward so much because you don't know it's Sandy Metz until the very end. So the whole time you're thinking, who is this person that, you know, is, is doing the and then I think I think she drops, you know, Pooter in there. Yeah. And I go, Oh my god, it's Sandy Metz and I told Nadia, I said, You won't even guess who wrote the forward and we kind of freaked out and it was great. It was fun. Yeah, she kinda of tells the story of how we met in there, which was um Yeah. Uh, I think Jim Wyrick kind of brought us together at a RailsConf. Yes. And uh, and we hit it off, and and uh, I found myself um, doing some technical review on Pooter before it was published, and and we've been we've been hanging out ever since. So I'm hoping you'll be able to answer some of these more specific questions. I know it's been a while since you've written the book and probably read the book, but do you have any favorite sections, any chapters or pieces you're particularly proud of? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, you know. I don't think that this is the most um, theoretically interesting. Like, I, I don't think that what I'm about to cite is the most uh, the most interesting from a philosophy of software point of view. But I'm sort of proud of the fact that that Confident Ruby I think has the most complete documentation of con- of doing value conversions in Ruby. Um, that was something that I found was was lacking in the literature. Um, and I really wanted to, to be the one to have the uh, sort of definitive documentation of, okay, why, what are all the, these different ways of converting values? Why is there both a two I and a two int, you know, or a two S and a two stir? Um, what, how do those, how, when do you choose to use one or the other? Um, how do the, the conversion functions fit in the, the capital, the, the functions that are spelled like class names, like capital I integer and capital S string, which, which are these, these kernel functions that are available to also do conversions. And, uh, I, I really did some deep digging to, to come up with a fairly consistent theory of, you know, this is when you use this one. This is when you use that one. These are what, here's why these different things exist. And I think you did a great job of that because I remember going through those sections and thinking that I'd never really stopped to think about why we had all these different versions. Mm -hmm. And since then, it's been really interesting working on different code bases and really thinking about now, which type of conversion do I need now? Let me think of what Avdi taught me. Right. Well, because, you know, I'd I'd worked on code bases where, you know, here you'd see a 2i and there you'd see a 2int. And it was pretty clear that, you know, the people that were writing it really didn't know why these two things existed or whether they were different. Um, and if so, how, and, uh, and it was something that, you know, a lot of times when I, I write something, especially when I formalize it to the extent of a talk or a book, um, a big part of it is wanting to understand it better myself. So you mentioned specifically with the example that you really, that you were really proud of that you did a bunch of research and you looked at the literature and figured out, you know, what were some of the, the missing holes. And that's always a question that I always have when I read technical books, especially when we're talking about self-published books is how much time did the author take to 
you know, to to back up the opinions and thoughts that he or she presents in the book with, you know, other opinions and thoughts and, you know, just how much research is done. So I'm, I'm curious how much of what you ended up putting in Confident Ruby comes from you, your experience, and how much of it did you end up kind of pulling and, and remixing from other sources? It's a good question. I I don't know what the the percentage mix would be. Um, there's a lot of opinion, I think, in Confident Ruby. You know, maybe it would be something like 60-40 um, Avdi's experience and opinion versus 40 uh, just, you know, stuff that I'm documenting that was already sort of there implicitly. Um, maybe even more opinion. You know, it's it's a patterns book and 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 patterns book are books are always sort of implicitly opinionated. You know, they're they're not supposed to be opinionated in the way of of this is this is the way you should do it, but they're at least supposed to be opinionated in the way of like here is a here is a way that if you use these pieces together, um good things will happen in in our experience. And I think it really helps also the way you do it because it's not just do it this way because I am Avdi and I said so. It's here are the four very clear benefits. And you're also really great about saying, but here are the, you know, four potential drawbacks. Right. And I particularly love the the sections that end with, I don't really know which one you should do, you know, based on who you are and, and what you what you feel like that day. You know, either one of these are valid for these different reasons. So really you know, not presenting things as the truth and not presenting yourself as the one who knows all the things, but as someone who's offering enough evidence and enough pros and cons and, and facts and opinions for me to take control and make the decision myself. I feel like a lot of what I do, both in uh, the books that I've written and uh, also in the, the videos that I make, is giving people permission. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I found many times in my career when I'm just sort of at a loss about how to do something, um, I, you know, I might be able to think of, of a dozen different ways of doing it. Uh, but it's hard to think of, you know, it's hard to know which one is going to lead down a bad road and which one's going to lead down a good road. And it's, it's what's particularly, um, a stumbling block sometimes is, I'll think of, you know, I'll think of an approach that seems reasonable, but I'll, I'll be looking around at the code that's already there and I'll see that nobody has done it that way. And I'll think, well, maybe, maybe this is just crazy what I'm thinking of. Um, you know, maybe I should just copy and paste one more time, or I should take that stack overflow answer and, and just use it the way everybody else does. Um, and you know, one of the things that I try to do with, with a lot of my technical work is just to say, okay, let's, let's think through this together. Um, and let's come up with something and, and see if it, you know, see if it pans out and see what are the, the think, think through the pros and the cons. And, um, you know, and, and in that process, what I often see, especially like when I'm, when I'm teaching people one-on-one, -on -one, it's like, I'm giving them permission. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm giving them permission to, to go ahead and, and think through the issue and use, use the answer that they came up with. It's like, it's okay. It's not, it's not crazy just because it's not the thing that you've seen in the other parts of the code. Um, you know, so a lot of it's just like, it's, it's, let me, let me give you some new ideas for how you might approach this and the sense that your instincts aren't completely wrong. If, you know, 
if what you see in the code already is not what what uh, the, is not the conclusion that you yourself have come to. I think that's a really interesting point around instinct, particularly when you're working, perhaps you're a more experienced person, you're working with someone who's newer, because sometimes as the more junior developer, you might have an instinct for something, but not know that it's okay, or that that's, you know, a very valid answer. And so if someone's in a more experienced position, sometimes they can be used to doing certain things in the same way that they've always done it. And they can often forget to say to the person that they're working with that, hey, this is just the way I'm used to doing it, or this is a habit, but here's some perfectly other valid ways that we could have done this or to try and draw out the different perspective, because that could help you get to new answers that you wouldn't have considered in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You said that a lot of the book was opinion. And so I wondered whether perhaps through discussions with readers, you either went back and revisited your opinion, perhaps changed your opinion on certain things, uh, or whether, or, or was there any interesting points where you were challenged on any of the things that you had put within, within the book? Well, I've certainly been challenged on points. I, I can't cite a specific example off the top of my head. I know people have gone through it. Um, and said, no, I wouldn't do it that way. But, um, I, you know, honestly, having all the times that I've gone through it again, uh, and this is going to sound really egotistical, but I, I can't think of a time when I've, I've looked at a section and thought, oh, man, I really wish I hadn't left that in there. Um, I, I, you know, I totally feel differently today. I, I did. I mean, I wrote a book like that. Um, you know, I wrote a book that was just uh, my, uh, sort of a snapshot of my thinking and of some ideas that I was having at a particular point in time. And that was, that was called, uh, objects on rails. Um, and that was very explicitly the style of book that I was, that I set out to write was I'm just going to capture down almost as a series of extended blog posts, my thinking at this particular moment. Um, confident Ruby is really a, a different approach entirely. Um, I, I think, in putting that together, if there was something that I was unclear on, I either, you know, if there was something I didn't really think was, was a solid idea, I either said, I don't know what the right answer is in the text, or I left it out. Um, I think everything in there is, is stuff that I, I still stand behind. It's, it's, it was, I guess, I guess I could, I could say it was a more conservative approach to, um, to the material. So once you hear that feedback and, you know, you're getting other people's opinions on what you wrote, is there anything that you wish you could do over? Um, not really. I mean, that's great. I'm pretty happy with it. It's certainly it's it's certainly the book that I'm, I'm most happy with. Um, I've never been 100 percent happy with the organization of it. I mean, the the sections, the, the four parts are lopsided. Um, you know, you have the, like two parts that are, that have lots of patterns in them. And then two that are kind of, um, that are kind of light. And, uh, that's always bothered me a little bit, but I never really came up with a satisfactory way of addressing it. What's been, I mean, we've heard when we told people that we were going to do Confident Ruby, we got so much, um, excitement over it. And we got a lot of just people saying, you know, that's a book I've really wanted to read. It's one of the best books. It's changed my life and, you know, all that. And we had someone on Twitter just tweet us a question. I'm going to modify the question a little bit to ask, how have you 
dealt with and how do you feel about having such a high profile in the Ruby community and having people, you know, look up to you, whether it's your talks or, you know, the awesome books that you've written. This person, Gary, uh, whose handle is at Blimey85, calls it one of the best books, you know, in the Rails community. How do you feel about that profile? That's a huge question. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, there, there are many feelings involved with that. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for um, how nice people are to me. I'm, I'm sort of perpetually dumbfounded by it. Um, you know, beyond that, um, the way I'm sort of wired, I, whenever I hear stuff like that, the, what I, what I hear in my, when somebody says great job, what I hear in my head is now do better. Mm. Yeah. Like I said, there's a, there's a, the, the topic of like, Having a high profile is, is such a huge one, and, and I'm happy to answer questions about it. But it's, but there's so much to talk about. I don't I don't know where to start. Um, you know, I, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about me, about you know me being famous either. So I want to talk about the the thing you brought up where you said that what you hear is do better, right? And this kind of goes a little bit into the the future of Confident Ruby and other projects that you're working on. When you hear do better, does that end up having a net positive effect on you where you feel like you got to work a little bit harder and deliver good stuff? Or does it end up being more of a burden than anything else? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's about even it's, um, it's very stressful, but it's also, um, you know, I think it's also what, what uh, keeps me from, from sliding into, you know, hopefully from sliding into mediocrity. Well, I definitely think that the community benefits from that that little do better voice. And thank you for, you know, continuing to, to do better and to give us lots of great stuff. And talking about giving us lots of great stuff, have you got any more books in the pipeline? Um, I am currently extremely late on a book about Rake, uh, the, uh, the Ruby automation framework by Jim Weirick that, that we build so many things on top of. Um, and uh, yeah, bookwise, that's about it. How's that process coming? Slowly, slowly. That was definitely another case of I announced it, and then life got in the way for a couple of years. Um, years, wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, that one, that one, I kind of learned my lesson, and so I very deliberately did not set a uh, projected release date on it. I just said it's going to be done when it's done, and. Um, I'm sort of perpetually in the process of research for it because I use Rake for everything. Like, um, I just rolled out a completely new version of, of Ruby Tapas, the, the screencast site that I, I run. And, um, and a whole, there was a whole lot of migration involved in that, migrating episodes, migrating users. And I wrote, I don't know, hundred thousands of lines of, of Rake code, um, to manage the, uh, the, those migrations and do it in a way that's that's uh, self document well self reporting and idempotent and just generally generally um, reliable and uh, yeah so I I'm kind of really enthused about I'm still I think more enthused about the pro project than I have ever been in the past because there there are so many things that I've I've just recently learned about using Rake um, in a more advanced way. And uh, it's it's one of these tools that is 
very small from a code perspective and it seems like there's not a lot there but there's there's unexpected depth in it and there's a lot of patterns that i've learned for using it that are really powerful and and uh not in, immediately obvious unless you've been working with it for a while and you mentioned ruby tapas and when i was thinking about just how busy you are you do a lot of stuff right you have the the books the ruby tapas you do a lot of speaking you also do a good amount of teaching how do you balance all this different you know content creation with making sure that you're still coding and still creating products and you know and, and building stuff so that you have stuff to talk about yeah that's the per- that's the the perpetual question when you're when you're teaching is you know how do i pr- balance this with doing so that i still have a leg to stand on and uh, it's tough um you know before this latest pro- project of rolling out this new version, uh, I hadn't done, it had been a while since I'd sat down and written, you know, a couple of thousand lines of code for something. And so it was actually really satisfying to do that. Um, you know, I have a lot of backlog though, of like material that, that, uh, I still want to talk about in various forms. Um, you know, for instance, for, there was a period of, of, uh, somewhere between six months and a year where I was, I was, making my living as a consulting pair programmer where I would just spend like two hours working with, with people um, on whatever they were working on. And um, I took copious notes during that period. And I still, there's still a lot of material there um, that I'd love to, you know, sort of explain the thinking that went into something um, in some form or another. So, you know, I try to take a lot of notes and whatever I'm doing, I try to make note of, um, Make note of, of what I learned, you know, what are the decisions I made? Why did I make those decisions? And amongst all of this, do you find much time to play around with code and explore and hack on fun projects? You know, I don't, um, I don't as much anymore. And, and I'm okay with that because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hap- I'm, I'm hacking around on other things. You know, the thing is, there's more, there's more to hack around on than just code. Um, and you know, there's a period, there was a period of my career when, when fiddling around with interesting, um, new languages was exactly what I needed to be doing. Um, and that's, you know, that's where I got onto the, the Ruby boat early. Um, you know, now I'm doing things like learning to be really good with, or at least tolerably good with professional video editing software. You know, learning to use it not just as like I, you know, not not just as like cargo culting. I, you know, I think when I hit this button, the right thing happens. But like really learning to use it well, <laughs> um, and that's that's important for my my video business. But it's also, you know, it expands my mind in interesting ways. Um, and uh, you know, learning to be learning to think about marketing better, learning to think about um, I don't know all kinds of different things. I try to you know. I'm not always I'm not always learning something new about code, um, but I'm I'm usually learning something new about something. Mm-hmm. So going back to Confident Ruby for a second, uh, I don't think we talked about the audience for Confident Ruby. And as Nadia and I were reading through it, there were definitely some parts where we said, "Man, this is something that we've heard about before, but haven't quite gotten to a point where we've actually had to use it." And so when you're thinking about the the target audience, your you know ideal reader for that type of book, do you have a good sense of who that audience is? Yeah, well, Confident Ruby is definitely aimed at people at, at working Ruby programmers who you know who already know the language, um, probably have been working in the field for 
uh, I don't know, about a year or more. Um, you know, when I, when I think about, when I talk to people about when they should read it, sometimes people will ask me like, well, should I get this book now or should I wait a bit? I usually say, you know, well, first you've got your, like your introduction to Ruby book. Um, and, and then you've got your like Ruby 2.0 book, like, um, uh, what's the book I'm looking at my bookshelf here. Oh, like, well, like, uh, Ruby best practices or, uh, or eloquent Ruby. Um, those are sort of like, 201 books, you know, you, you, you add those on after you already understand the basics of the language. And then, then maybe you do Pooter, you know, you do, you get, um, a more solid, uh, understanding of OO principles as, as implemented in Ruby. And at that point, I think it's a really good time to, to read Confident Ruby. Cause in some ways, I mean, parts of Confident Ruby were definitely inspired by Pooter. I mean, I, I started on the, the, writing that, um, before I met Sandy, but then, um, she really helped me kind of coalesce some of the ideas that I had. Uh, so there's definitely some cross, um, uh, cross pollination there. Um, you know, and, and while I'm talking about what influenced the book, um, I should really give some credit because there are a couple of books that really, really strongly influenced Confident Ruby, which, uh, the first one is Code Complete by Steve McConnell. Um, code complete was the book that introduced me to the concept of code construction as opposed to, to software design or, or OO design, um, code construction as, as McConnell defines it is like the nitty gritty of decisions that go on at like the, the single line level or the single method level. And that is very much, uh, confident Ruby is very much a code construction book. And that's how I always envisioned it. Um, and the other big influence is, is small talk, best practice patterns by Ken Beck, uh, which is a, a wonderful, wonderful book that I think every Ruby programmer should read regardless of the fact that it has small talk in the name. Um, and it, it's a, it's a terrific introduction to a programmer's way of really reflecting on every single little decision they make and on why they made that decision. Um, Kent Beck in writing that forced himself to, to not, to not write another line of code until he understood exactly why he had written the last line of code and had written down a name for that decision. Um, and, and I think that's a really powerful mental tool and it's definitely, it was definitely one of the big influences on Confident Ruby. Fantastic. So to people who've perhaps been following along and recently finished reading all of Confident Ruby, I wonder whether you had any thoughts on next steps for us. For example, I remember, I think it was the beginning of episode five, I tell the story of how I'd spent a long time reading about reading all of the value conversion chapters. And then at work the next week, I failed to spot my chance to use an integer, the integer conversion function. And so and, and one of the things that Saron and I have spoken about a lot is how do we build up this toolbox and, and have this sense of when to use the things that we've picked up from your book. So I wonder whether you had any pointers on us going forward and putting these lessons into practice. That's a great question. Um, off the top of my head, I feel like, um, going back to one of my standard answers, which is pair program more. Um, yes. 
pair programming pair programming is, is is powerful for so many reasons but yes. but one of the many reasons it's powerful is that um, depending on how you do it it can give you an opportunity to think a little bit more about the decisions that go into into writing code because you know it gives you if if somebody else is driving and you're navigating it gives you an opportunity to think a little bit harder about you know whether that was the right method to use um, and it sort of gives you the license to do it as well because you're expected, you know, when you're just banging out code by yourself, you're expected to get something working. Um, when you're pair programming, yes, you're expected to get something working, but I mean, you're, you, there's a reason you're working with that other person and, and the reason is so that you can make each other better. And so you so, sort of have, have license to, you know, consider each decision that you make and, you know, you have license to say, is that the best idea? Because, I mean, that's why you're together, you know, to, to question these things and, and learn from each other. So um, I, that, w- that would be the first thing that comes to mind is, is to pair program, especially if, if you've both um, read the book. So, Saron, pair programming session later? I, I guess we have to. Avdi just said it, so we have to do it. I like it. So obviously the book is full of many great ideas and opinions and tools and lots of great things that we can take from it. If there was one takeaway that you want to make sure the reader got, what would it be? Oof. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to end with a bang off. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I mean, the obvious answer is, is for me to say would be to write code that tells a story. And I think that's a, that's, you know, very much the, the takeaway that I set out to give people is to, to write code that tells a clear story. Um, and, you know, code that is written with its reader in mind. Um, but I think maybe the, the deeper lesson there is that, you know, the deeper encouragement there is to code mindfully, you know, to be aware of the decisions that you're making and, uh, to give them names and, um, and yeah, just, just be mindful of them. So next week, we'll be starting our brand new book, 99 Bottles by Sandy Metz and Katrina Owen. And we hope you'll be reading along with us. So we want to know, what do you hope to get out of our next Ruby book? And what are you excited to learn about? Record your 30-second response or write up your thoughts and send it to us at hello at rubybookclub.com and you might hear yourself on the show. And don't forget to tweet us at Ruby Book Club and tell us about how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. Avdi, you want to say goodbye? Bye, and, and thank you so much for having me on the show. See you next week. Cheerio! Cheerio!